You are listening to You Were Made for This, the podcast to help transform your relationships into the best they can be. Welcome to You Were Made for This. If you find yourself wanting more from your relationships, you've come to the right place. Here you'll discover practical principles you can use to experience the life-giving relationships you were made for. And now here's your host, John Sertalic. Hey, thank you, Carol. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 42, where today we talk about being thankful for the people different from ourselves. My greatest fear about aging is finding myself living an increasingly narrow life. I see it in my 96-year-old mother-in-law. The memory care and assisted living facility Elda lives in is full of people whose lives have narrowed considerably and are a shadow of what they used to be. And it's not just with the elderly with their ever-increasing physical limitations. I see some people my age and much younger living lives that are slowly closing in on them relationally and emotionally. I see some of this tendency in myself, where I resist growing as a person because to grow is to change, and I've gotten way too comfortable with the status quo. You know, it raises a question then of what can we do to keep growing as a person into old age, where we resist the natural forces of life that close in on us. I propose that the antidote to this issue is to foster relationships with people different from ourselves. Relationships with people younger or older than ourselves. With those richer or poorer than us. With people more educated or less educated than we are. Those of a different gender are those with a marital status different from ours. Let me give you two examples. The first one is a relationship I had with someone of a different race, a different culture, and a different age. It starts with a phone call that Janet and I received a long time ago. I think it was during the 1980s. And we have a friend named Sue who uh, at that time worked in the inner city of Los Angeles, ministering to children and adults in that community. And one afternoon, she called us and was telling us about a family that she was working with and asked us if we would pray about something very important, something that would be a great sacrifice for us, she thought. And she asked us if we would consider during the summer to take in one of the children that she was ministering to, a 14-year-old African-American boy by the name of Reuben. His nickname was Boo. Everybody called him Boo. And so we did as Sue asked. We prayed about it and thought about it and thought about all the implications and impact and decided that we would go ahead and do it. Our children were maybe five years younger than than Boo. And when we uh, picked Boo up, you know, he really didn't relate that much to our kids because, because of the age difference. It was a really interesting summer for us, and I'm sure for Boo. Here we were living in a rural area of Milwaukee, Wisconsin at the time. There was a small farm across the street, and we had this African-American boy living with us. I think he was the only African-American for, for miles. 
and he was a big kid. Yeah, he was uh, just a few inches shorter than I was and weighed almost as much. But a really nice, really nice boy. And uh, there wasn't a lot for him to do. We were living in such a remote area, and, and um, you know, the kids just kind of hung around and played with themselves, and they occasionally have, would have play dates with friends. But there was really nothing there for Boo. And so um, I had him do some household chores, and we took him places. We went to a Brewer game, Milwaukee Brewer baseball game, and did a, did a bunch of other things. We We did everything. Uh, together as a family, and we included Boo. But he was younger than me. He was only 14, and uh, we were a a different race. And I remember one night uh, in particular, uh, he and I, just he and I were watching TV. There we were, two men of color, uh, him being black and me being white. And we were watching the Arsenio Hall show. I remember it came on at 10.30 at night opposite, uh, I think it was The Tonight Show at the, at the time. And Arsenio Hall, I haven't heard much about him lately, but he was this African-American comedian, and he was kind of like a Johnny Carson type, and he would have this variety show. And 10.30 at night was just really way later than I liked watching TV, but I thought, well, this might be a way of connecting with Boo. And we would watch uh, this uh, Arsenio Hall show together, that was really appealing to a black culture that I was very unfamiliar with. And so, you know, Arsenio Hall would crack a joke and the audience would laugh and and Boo just got hysterical and I could not understand what he thought was so funny. And so I would ask him uh, to translate for me and explain things. And so here's this 14-year-old black kid uh, teaching me about black culture while we lived in the suburbs sitting on a sofa. And that summer, I think, was during the time of the Rodney King uh, incidents in in L.A. And we talked about that a little bit. And, you know, Boo's experience was uh, very much uh, similar to what we saw on TV. And I remember asking him at one, one occasion, I said, Boo, what, uh, how's the summer going for you? What, uh, what is this doing for you? And he said, I really like living here. And I said, why? Isn't it boring? There's really not a lot to do in the afternoon. I'm off at work and Janet's doing her thing and the kids are much younger than you. And, you know, why do you like, why do you like living here? And he said, because I don't have to worry about getting shot. Oh, that just gripped my heart. And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, um, going to school every day in their community, that was, you know, wasn't always guaranteed that you would get there without being shot. And he told me about a couple of his friends that, that, that were killed. And wow, was that a wake-up call to me? And it, I found myself drawn to Boo and learning more about his life. And it, and it really grew me as a person. I noticed another thing, too. We would take Boo to church with us. Uh, it was an all-white church. And some of our friends and some of our people, I noticed kind of distancing themselves from us. They would ask us what, what he was doing there, and but they had no curiosity about him, his life, or friend Sue and what she was doing. I found that kind of interesting. But I am so glad that, that we had that summer with Boo. He was only with us for a few months, and 
Then at Christmas time, we sent him a package of bratwurst because he liked bratwurst. He never had them before, and we would eat them at the ball game, and we found some that were packed in dry ice, and we mailed them off to him. Whether he ever got them or not, I don't know. He he lived in a very uh, chaotic situation with his mother, no father, and a bunch of siblings. I was so grateful for that summer that we had Boo. I know I grew as a person because of him and being exposed to his his culture and learning about what it's like to be a teenage boy living in Los Angeles, the heart of Los Angeles and their center city. It was it was just a great experience for me. It's given me more compassion and understanding for people like Boo and 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 people that live in that kind of environment. It was just a rich time. Well, I've got a second example of having a relationship with someone very different from me. And this is with an older white guy, <laughs> a man about, I don't know, 20, 30 years older than I, I was at the time. And uh, his name is Wilbur. And Wilbur was the pastor of this small little church that we were attending for a while, for, I don't know, maybe eight, nine years when, when he was there until he retired. Wilbur was this gray-haired guy who uh, would often preach on the same four or five verses, maybe two or three weeks in a row. He just got so much out of them, and each Sunday was new. I, I, loved, his, I loved his preaching. I loved his laughter, and Wilbur loved our kids. Uh, someone had given him uh, a big Harley uh, long before it was fashionable to have a Harley, and he would give our kids rides on his Harley in the church parking lot. And and they loved it. You know, everybody loved Wilbur. If you couldn't love Wilbur, there was something something wrong with you. Well, as I mentioned, we had this uh, church, maybe maybe about 75, 80 people on, on a peak Sunday. And Wilbur was just a very relational guy. Well, one day after church, he said to me, you know, John, I really, I know what your job is. You've told me, but I have no idea what that looks like on a on a day-to-day basis. Would you mind if I came to work with you one day and just sat in your office and watched you work? <laughs> I, I that, that sure was an unusual request. And uh, knowing Wilbur, I thought that might be kind of fun. So we set up a time, and uh, he came to my office and just sat in the uh, in the chair across from me, and I would just go about my work, explaining what I was doing and why I was doing. It was I was a recruiter at the time, and all our work was done on the phone, and I'd be calling people, and and uh, you know he couldn't hear what was going on, but he would ask me ask me questions, and I would explain things. And we would interact, and it was actually a productive day for me, and I thoroughly enjoyed Wilbur's interest in my life. But he was so much older, and uh, he had never been a recruiter, never been a salesperson. He had been a pastor all his life. But he wanted to relate to someone different than he was, and I wanted to relate to him because he was so different from me and a lot of Wilbur's qualities rubbed off on me just by hanging around him. And I noticed that Wilbur uh, adopted qualities of other people in our church by hanging around them. 
He was just generally interested in people, generally interested in me, even though I was so different than him. I was younger than his, than his, uh, than his son. Well, there was Wilbur, and then uh, when I think of Wilbur and that day that he came to visit me because he wanted to understand more about me and my life, I thought of another pastor um, that we knew and whose church we attended. And let's see, we'll call him Tony. <laughs> um, anytime I want to maintain someone's confidentiality, I'm going to call him Tony. So here we got Tony the pastor, and, and one day... I remember him saying uh, to Janet, and Janet told me this. Uh, she said, you know, Tony came up to me, and, and I was on the church board, and we were interacting on a number of issues. And uh, one day, uh, Tony came up to Janet and said to her, you know, I just can't figure John out. I really, I really don't understand him. And that was it. You know, uh, he he didn't bother to try to understand. He didn't do anything close to what Wilbur did. And, he, you know, his church was a little bit bigger, and I can understand him being busy, and you can't do that with everyone. And and um, But it, that really caught my attention when he said, I just can't figure John out. And not that I needed to be figured out, but it made me think, why didn't he try? Why didn't he give it a, a shot? Why didn't he do something like Wilbur did? Why didn't he ask me? Why didn't he tell, tell me that? Hey, John, I just can't figure, figure you out. Well, that would have opened up a, a really interesting uh, discussion. So here we have a contrast between two people very different from me and their relationship with me. We have Wilbur, much older, who really wanted to understand me, even though I was very different from him. And then here we have Tony, and I was very different from him, but he just kind of stopped with, I can't figure John out. Didn't really extend himself to try to grow and understand me. And that doesn't bother me, but uh, I just thought, I, you know, if I were him, I, I, would, I would make some kind of effort. Well, Here's what I've learned from these two stories and about my relationships with people not like me. You know, connecting mostly with people on the basis of our similarities is really self-limiting. It confirms our biases. Commonality may help initially in connecting with someone in a relationship, but it can limit the depth of our relationship moving forward. You know, I see a thread of reaching out to people not like ourselves woven throughout the New Testament. A couple of examples. We have um, uh, Jesus and the Samaritan woman at the well in uh, John's Gospel, chapter 4. You know, Samaritans were, were disdained by, by Jesus, not by Jesus, but by the disciples that he hung around with. They were kind of an outcast lot. And then Jesus was relating to a woman from that particular group of people. That also was verboten in, in that time. And yet Jesus was wanting a relationship with someone very different than him. And then we had Jesus and his disciples who were not all the same. Most of them were fishermen, some were tradesmen, 
and at least one was a tax collector. All people very different, all relating with each other. And then we have Paul and his relationship with the Gentiles. There couldn't be anything more distinct and more different about these t- these two. Paul, a, 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 Jew, a Jew with a great deal of training in Jewish law and custom, and the Gentiles, who are anything but. You know, other people different from me, I find more interesting than me focusing on my thoughts and experiences that are similar to others. I find that I learn from people who are different from me. I also learn that I can appreciate how good I have it when I see sometimes how poorly people different from me live. You kind of like Boo in, in the center city of Los Angeles. And when I do that, it greatly encourages me and makes me thankful for the life I do live. I become a better person when I incorporate the godly values of people different from me. But I have to get to know them to understand what those values are. I find that my view of God is enriched when I see the character of God reflected in people not like me. That makes me appreciate God more. Well, that's me. What about you? What's your takeaway from today's show? I'd appreciate any comments in the leave a reply box at the bottom of the show notes. Or you can send them to me in an email to john at caringforothers.org. Here's the main takeaway from today's episode, our show in a sentence. Be thankful for people in my life who are not like me, because they broaden my world, for they reflect the character of God in their own unique way, making me appreciate Him more. Here are a few things you can do in response to today's show. One thing is, consider including in your circle of relationships people different from you and see what God teaches you through them. Another thing is to ask God to show you how to be more winsome, more attractive, more intriguing, and inviting to others. Ask God to help you reflect more of his character to people not like yourself, to be more of a person people are thankful for. And then finally, take a pause and reflect on someone that you know who is very different from you and ask yourself, could it be that God has placed this person in my life to sharpen me and to smooth over my rough edges and otherwise mold me into the person he created me to be? Those are just a couple of ideas for things you can do in response to today's episode. Well, I hope your thinking was stimulated by today's show to both reflect and to act, and to be thankful for the people in our lives who are different from us. You can do this, I know you can, because you were made for this. Relationships that, T, transcend our natural tendency to focus on self and that H, honor, and I, inspire others built on selfless sacrifice. And now for our relationship quote of the week. And it comes from the Bible, the book of Galatians, chapter 3, verse 28, where the the Apostle Paul says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, 
male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Wow, isn't that powerful? It makes distinctions that we create between ourselves uh, just kind of pale in comparison when we realize that we are one in Christ Jesus. I'll say it again. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Well, that's all for today. See you next week. Goodbye for now.